McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Bobby fans and welcome to the PO Forecast episode 65. Well it's been two wins since we spoke last time and Pompey storming up the league, keeping on track with all the other teams in the playoffs and now into the famous leasing trophy final. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Joining me today to join in those celebrations is Freddie. How are you mate? How's it going Hugh? You alright? No I'm great. Um, good to have you back on the show Freddie. Always a and, pleasure. I know that um, you've got some interesting views on the leasing, checker trade, FA, trophy, whatever it's called. So um, it'll be good to get your opinion. But on that, first of all, we're going to go in and we're going to review the game last night against Exeter. Following that, we're going to go back into the league and talk about the Shrewsbury game. After that, we put a question out to you guys. And are you guys boycotting the final? Are you going to the final? We wanted to know. Um, and then we also wanted to know which team out of Newport and Salford would you like in the final? Obviously, when this comes out, Freddie, just realised everyone's already going to know who we've got, aren't they? So that's going to be a pure preference question. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And following on from that, we're going to go and preview the game against Fleetwood and preview the game against MK Dons. And just before we get started, Freddie, uh, the Poppy History Society are hosting an event today, Thursday 20th of February, Fratton Park, Past, Present and Future, um, hosted by Colin Farmer, who used to work for the club, uh, also did that film Our Club, at the Legends Lounge, Fratton Park, uh, 7pm, £6.50 a ticket, uh, contact at Pompey History. Freddie, there's a lot to get through today, isn't there, and quite an action-packed show, so let's get right into it. Um, usually we start with the the game in chronological order, but today what we're going to do is just quickly do the Exeter game while it's fresh in memory. So Exeter, it was a really, really odd performance, Freddie. It was one of those games in which I thought, we don't deserve to get anything out of it. And then out of the blue, Pompey come back and, and steal the win. What was your yeah, thoughts? I know, what a ridiculous game that was. <laughs> I saw the highlights of it afterwards and Portsmouth didn't seem to do anything for about 75 minutes. Then I saw... The Exeter made 10 changes. I thought, oh, God, are we going to lose to Exeter reserves? <laughs> Is that really going to happen? That would be very deflating. But no, in the, in the last quarter of an hour, things things just went completely mental, didn't they? Um, it just seems like beforehand, Portsmouth were wasting a lot of their chances. And again, they struggled to break down a team who are very defensive. You know, it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a really bad England qualifier against a smaller to a smaller side like Lithuania because do, do you remember watching those sorts of games where they yeah. would put they would put like eight men behind the ball and you and you would watch England obviously obviously the better team in terms of um build-up play and so on and they didn't they, they, they look awful but then they finally managed to win in the end and that's and that's kind of what Portsmouth did here no completely and it was one of those games which I remember you know watching it and, and I just thought when we got the equaliser, I was like, okay, come on then, penalties. I was uh, making a joke to Matt about how the fact that, you know, we've got Hawkins on, who, to be honest, didn't do a lot during the game at all. Um, but he was there, you know, it's my competition. I'm ready for penalty shootout because it went straight to Penns otherwise, didn't it? Yeah, it goes straight to Penns in that competition. It, it was such an emotional time, though, you know. <laughs> and then you just think, are oh, Pompey going to get back into it? And, you know, the game's over only for us to go and score again. Should we go through the goals first of all? Because obviously, what did you think about the first goal there, Freddie? Uh, 
it was, it, was a, it was a mistake from Bass, wasn't it? Unfortunately, Bass has been very good beforehand, but he just completely lost his lost his sight of the ball, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, not a lot else you can say about it, really. It, it, um, it, fe- it fell nicely to the midfielder who scored. Took it away very well, but obviously it should, it should never have happened in the first place. No, exactly. Um, it was one of those... Cause Alex Bass has been so solid, hasn't he? Oh, he's, he's, so done, he's done extremely well. I don't think anybody would expect him to take McGill for his place at the starting eleven. But he, he's there's it's only been a couple of times where I thought his decision making was a bit odd, or one of his saves was a bit weird. But no, every time I've seen him, he's been he's been solid. He's only twenty one. He's he's going to get he's obviously going to get better with the more games he has. And then you've got the goal going up the other end, and Pompey come back. Um, you know, it's late in the game, eighty six minutes you just think that ball is never going to go in the back of the Exeter net. Then then the ball rebounds, Ronan Curtis, nice ball through. He plays it on goal and the defender's on the line. And I just think, oh, that's not going in. <laughs> yeah. Bounces back out. Marcus Harness again, tracking the ball really well to be there in the right place at the right time to get the goal. Freddie, we spoke about before, I think even going back to last season, you know, Jamal Lowe working on things like being in the right place. So when someone makes a save, he's there to make the tap in. Do you think that Marcus Harness was just a bit lucky the ball comes to him there? Or do you think it's one of those things where, you know, he's in the right place at the right time for a reason? Oh, he's definitely in the right place at the right time. He was right in the middle of the penalty area, roughly where the ball was anyway. So that, that, that's a lot better striking instincts than we, than we had. That was the worry a lot of fans had about Marcus Harness, whether he would fill in the goal gap that Jamal Lowe obviously left. But remember, Jamal Lowe's first uh, first um, season in League Two, he wasn't the, he wasn't the prolific winger. It was the same with his first season in League One as well. He developed that over time, and I, th- I think Marcus Harness, with with his inherent playmaking ability, he can he can add the um, the ability to be an inside forward to his repertoire as well. No, completely. I thought he had quite. I thought he had a good game uh, yesterday on the right. He played. He, he, he looked like passes. I, for me, he, for me, he was Portsmouth's best player from 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 what I saw of the game. I mean, he plays quite a lot of key passes. I know fans. Some fans. Well, yeah, there's some fans get a bit frustrated that you know you occasionally lose the ball or whatever. But this is the kind of thing that creative players, you know, on the wings. You know, Curtis does the same. He can he can lose the ball. It's, if you've got to take chances, haven't you, Freddie, to create something special? Oh, precisely. And with the frustration, it's the, it, well, it's the Carl Bennett syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, everybody, Carl Bennett always looked for the Hollywood ball all the time. And, and Harness and Curtis sort of do it less sparingly, but obviously they're much better players. So they're going to they're going to be able to get that deep that deep cross or that or that long pass and and make those accurate a lot more than a player like Carl Bennett would do. And I, and I have every trust that when whenever Harness plays, most of the time, he always puts in a good shift. No, completely. Mate, the commentary yesterday was absolutely awful from the was start. Was it? No, um, uh, unfortunately, I was really busy. So I had uh, I watched the like the 12 minute highlights on iFollow. Oh, mate. So it's obviously I didn't know how bad the commentary was. But w- was it that bad? Yeah, they're going on to sort of like saying they called Marcus Harness Marquis. Like Marquis has been the guy in the game in the first half. Marquis, Marquis is like that's Harness for the ball, mate. <laughs> Try getting the players right, and then they're like, "Oh, John Marquis is much more effective in the number ten position." I don't know why he's playing up front, and it was, it was. It was genuinely awful, mate. I think God. Matt actually tweeted him, uh, well, said, well, if it, "Sort it out." Well, to play com- Sky commentary bingo for whenever Portsmouth on. Did they mention Portsmouth near the going bust? Yes. Yes. <laughs> did they zoom in they on did. John Westwood? Yes. Uh, y- yes, they did. <laughs> oh. No, it's inevitable, isn't it? But it, but that's the easy narrative they have because obviously all their experts they're not going to have them. They're not going to get them sat sat prepping for six hours. Before the game, they'll do it. They'll, they'll do prep, obviously, but not oh, as mate. much. It was awful, though. They kept being like, oh, the ball was like Ronan Curtis played a couple of crosses that, you know, it was really, really blustery day. And mm. the wind took a couple. He overhit them as well. And, you know, they went off for a goal kick. And the commentator, I think it was Lee Hendry. He's it like, might, it, it might have been, yeah. I can't he remember. He was like, oh, why has no one made a run to get on the end of that? I was like, I don't know. If you're like Ollie Hawkins <laughs> twice as high, you were stood off the pitch. <laughs> And you came back on for an offside point of view. Maybe you could get your head on it. But, um, yeah, it was awful, mate. But anyway, moving on quickly. 
So obviously we get that goal. Everyone's like, yes, get on it. And then it's an absolute, you know, slap in the face. The ball comes across. I thought Randall Williams, who we highlighted for Exeter and Freddie, me and you spoke about him in January, trying to, you know, potentially sign him on the right hand side for us. I do remember he he had a very good game from what I saw when he came. He he was very useful. He came on. He, he would have caused us a lot of problems. You know, he he really gave Seddon a lot to think about on the short time he was on the pitch on the left hand side, and a couple one of his dribbles basically, um, you know, creates both goals. Actually, it, it comes from him creating space on the right hand side, cutting back in, beating a few players, and you know, it, it ends up in the back of the net because that run was what made the corner. And then secondly, he, he did that again, drawing some players over, and then the ball goes across left. And, you know, the ball goes then back in the box and Burge, unfortunately, gets a foot to it. It's one of those nightmare balls, isn't it, as a defender, when they <laughs> play the ball between the defence and the goalkeeper. Cause... Oh, yeah. How, how many own goals have you... Uh, that own goal that Christian Burge scored, how many own goals have you seen that are similar? Where if, it, if the defender doesn't get across there, it would have gone straight onto the striker's foot anyway and he would have had yeah. an open goal. So yeah. it was a catch-22, really. It was very unfortunate for him. Yeah, exactly. And also... One thing I would say about the, you know, intangibles, Freddie, is that about team spirit and Pompey of old probably would have crumbled at that point, wouldn't they? And not bothered, you know. Oh, this was the beginning of the season. No chance. No chance whatsoever. Getting of the season, they they would have folded like a deck of cards. It would have been that bad. Yeah, 89 minutes. So it's, it's what was impressive, really, was the fact that we come back and got another goal. And obviously that goal was created, but on the rush, you've got Ross McCrory puts in a really great tackle um, and gets the ball forward, brings it out of defence. I thought he had a decent game at right back. He's impressed me recently quite a lot at right back because earlier in the season, I didn't rate him whatsoever. And I would have rather just had James Bolton play there, but the least glamorous option played there. But no, we'll go on to the Shrewsbury game later. But when he came on in that game, he was bloody good with with his dribbling and going forward especially and in this game as well creating chances high up the pitch yeah no, completely so he brings the ball forward I was, I was liking that mate um, and he lays it off to Cameron McGeehan who takes a shot it takes a deflection it goes in you've got to be in it to win it mate straight into the top corner uh, and Pompey are back on track and it looks like it's going to penalties it, this is probably one of the most dramatic games we've we've seen in quite a long time isn't it and oh, then from there yeah, on, it was all Pompey. Yes, of course. No, uh, no. It, it, I was very surprised, of course, I got back into it to a certain extent. But um, I, I, the players now, they have that grit, don't they? They have that winning mentality by playing lots of games in a row. And really, the, the only game we lost recently was against Coventry, and that was when both teams weren't very good anyway. So they would have just wrote it off as a, a, an unlucky loss and carried on. But that's what I like about this team. The fact that we're playing a lot of games in a row and Kenny Jacket not giving a shit about this cup and uh, about the fixture congestion and basically playing a starting 11 midweek. It, it, gives, it gives the team a little that little bit extra, doesn't it? But what even though there is that worry that Portsmouth are going to play over 60 games again this season. They played 63 games last season. I think the minimum they could play this season with my maths is 60 again. So that's 123 games in two years. That's mental. Absolutely. Then you got Liverpool. Then you got Liverpool complaining about one cup replay in the winter break, and they all go crying, which is completely ridiculous. Because obviously their depth is miles better than Portsmouth will ever will be. But no, I think buying first class around the world, though, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but in this case, I think I think the amount of games is, might be a good thing as long as Kenny Jacket's sensible. And if if players have got niggling injuries, he doesn't rush them back. I, I think they'll be fine with that. What, what do you think? Well, we'll wait and see what the news is on Ellis Harrison. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet because he obviously picked up a bit of a knock and couldn't run that off. I think Andrew Moon, Andrew Moon said it was a dead leg. Okay. And um, he said he's pretty much 50. It should be all right, but he I think he said 50-50, but don't quote me on that. So, But he'll be definitely back for the game after the Fleetwood game on Saturday. MK. And if you mm-hmm. and if, if Freddie is wrong and you're mad, tweet him. <laughs> no, more, tweet, more tweets for me. I'm not bothered. I'm not That's bothered it, at all. Mate. Get involved. Get involved. Um, let us know at PO Forecast if you think Freddie's completely wrong. Um, okay, let's move on quickly because obviously it was a great... That final goal, mate. That final goal. Tom Naylor brings the ball out. What? What? What was he doing, mate? To be honest, because 
seen him do that ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Tom do that. Well, no, I've seen him drive the ball, but what it was is that crossfield ball, mate. So many times you see Naylor tr- attempt something like that, and it and it doesn't work. But this time, you know, it it was it was meant to happen, mate. It was played across, and the thing I thought was really interesting, mate, was a not just the Ronan Curtis bring that ball down with such ease, but he played that ball on his left foot, didn't he? Which we've been talking about, and he's really, really improved his his crossing from the left hand yeah, side. And he put an absolute yeah. beautiful ball in for John Marquis to head home, who manages to head the ball directly into the ground, which is absolutely perfect from that distance. All round, I think it's the best goal he scored on the day. It's best goal, best goal. I think it's up there for for a decent portion of team goal. But the cross made uh, the cross made the goal, didn't it? What a delicious cross from Ronan Curtis that was. His delivery now is excellent. He is pretty much I would go on a limb and say he's probably the best one of the best left wingers in this division. Quite easily. With the bit with the ability to score goals and cut inside, but then he can also put in ridiculously good crosses and and keep on top of the fullback with his dribbling. Yeah. He's got everything, hasn't he? He's got everything. I think Yeah. All round class, mate, he is now. That's precisely. And he's still he's still only twenty three. Still, he's still got a couple of a couple of years until he enters his pri- enters his prime and gets <clears throat> maybe an even bigger contract than he might have got already. Do you think he's ready for Championship football if we go up? Oh, I, I think so. Completely. He looks like so, the, yeah. the best players we've got. Who's he looks made for the Championship now, mate? Mm. Doesn't he? That class on the ball, the patience, you know, the all round cross your left, etc. Shoot your right, you know, Ronan's you know, take players on. They don't know if he's going inside or outside now. That sort of predictability from the start of the season's really been mixed up. And yeah, in, yeah precisely. Like, no, because no, um, for a while, Curtis was quite one-dimensional. Near the end of last season, when he was playing a lot of games, and he kept on doing the same thing. He always wanted to cut, onside, cut inside onto his strong foot all the time. But now he doesn't do it all the time. Now He, he does it often because it's one of the best things he can do. But now, but now he crosses with his left foot. And then maybe he waits for an overlap from the fullback and puts in a nice through ball. He's, I would go to live and say he's our best player. I think anyway. He's definitely our most creative player at the moment going forward. I would definitely agree with that. And um, Freddie, let's move on quickly. He's got a lot to talk about today, and let's talk about the game against Shrewsbury. That was more more than a game, wasn't it? It was more like a Game of Thrones style battle with the weather out there. Oh yes, it was awful, wasn't it? That weather again, Jesus, no. Um, it was a very hard game for Portsmouth, actually. And I, 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 you could tell that Shrewsbury obviously set up like they did in the first game of the season to at least nick a draw. 3-5-1-1, apparently. Yeah, 3-5-1-1, three, three, yeah, three, which immediately turned into 8-1-1, obviously. Yeah. But, um, we've got to mention Kenny Jacket's substitutions. What great substitutions to, to, to be able to break up that back line by bringing on Ross McCrory and John Marquis. No, completely. And I think Ross McCrory has an impact. Obviously, he comes on. I can't remember how much longer after it was, five minutes or something like that. Um, he gets the assist by, you know, some real crafty footwork on the right-hand side. Little little shimmy, and he managed to knock the ball forward and, you know, skin the defender before putting a ball in the box, a looping ball, which Ellis Harrison connects beautifully with on the head. And a striker like Harrison must be, you know... Absolutely licking his lips, mate. When the ball comes in like that and it's plonked on the top of his head. Oh, of course, yeah. He, he he'll take he'll he'll score goals from those situations all day long. Yeah, I, I do rate Harrison as as the other as the other options alongside John Marquis. They both complement each other really well. No, absolutely, absolutely. It was it was a it was an absolutely it was a quality game, mate. In that sense, because we've been talking about professional performance, and it was something we talked about after the Tranmere game and it, it, Pompey do seem to be getting the job done, don't they? All the time. Yeah. And even so the stat, the stats back it up as well with the, with the amount of go- high goal scoring opportunities we're creating and how good our passing is. So, it, so even, even if at times Portsmouth wins look ugly in quotation marks, they're doing what all, te- all good teams do. Even if they don't look like they're having the best of games, they're winning games. And winning games comfortably. There was no, there was no point against uh, against Shrewsbury that you thought the Ports would lose the game. Not at all. You you just thought, oh, at worst, it could be a nil nil draw. Yeah, 
No, completely. Um, I know a lot of people gave Marcus Harness a bit of stick. He was he was named in the D three D four football podcast team of the week um, from a stats perspective, and also in the League One paper. Sorry, the Football League paper team of the week as well. There's quite a few reasons why, and there's some Pompey fans, I suppose, out there who again, you know, didn't rate Marcus Harness's game at all and thought he didn't deserve to be even included in you know the top Pompey players in the game, let alone you know league wide or whatever. But <laughs> First of all, Marcus Harness, I think he led the team in successful dribbles, beating players. He also got the key assist as well in that game. Um, I, don't, I don't know why people people are sleeping on him, to be honest. He, he is slowly improving as a player. He had that injury at the Blackpool game, which was nasty, by the way. I was at the game. He got absolutely run over by the fullback. Then he took a while to get back in, played a couple of very average performances here and there. And I assume people still look to that and they've got that in the back of their head. Because when, I think Marcus Harness... Is one of those players where when he's off, he's off. When he has a ba- when he has a bad game, you don't notice him. And he comes off, and you go, "Oh, wow, well, we started him." But no, in, ter- in terms of stats, comparing him to Ryan Williams, and I'm not saying not saying Ryan Williams is a bad player at all. He's a, he's a, he's a great squad player for Portsmouth. But in goals and assists, Harness seven and seven in all comps compared to um, Williams's two goals and zero assists. Harness has higher cross completion, makes more progressive runs. And the key for me is um, expected assists, exactly the same as expected goals, where they just look at um, they just look at key passes and uh, and assists, and then compare them to a history of how, uh, how good those sorts of passes are. Harness is five point six five compared to Ryan Williams is three, almost double. No, almost double the expected assists from him. That playmaking ability will at times carve teams open and. And Kenny Jacket mentions this all the time. He wants those players and the way they play. He want they, they want them to have that one killer ball, that one killer ball, whether it be a direct, a direct long ball, or whether it be a, a splitting through ball like Tom Naylor did against Exeter. And Marcus Sanders will do that. He, he he's got he's got the tool sets to do that. And now and now he's scoring more goals as well from that right hand side. So no, I, I think Harness should start for the rest of the season at right wing. No, I mean, complete agreement, mate. Complete agreement. I'm um, looking at the centre backs quickly. Obviously, you've got Berger and Ragadinho at the back there. Their partnership just seems to be getting stronger and stronger. Do you want to hear, do you want to hear an interesting stat about Burgess? I looked Go this up then. beforehand. Go he's, on, then. He's, he's, eight, he's 18th in the league for total amount of progressive passes. What? Hi- all players. Or, yeah, all players. Higher than a lot of, midf- a lot of um, midfielders and strikers as well. And that's from centre half. So people look at Sean Raggett and go, "Oh, he can't do certain things." Sometimes he can play, he can play the ball up from the back, but sometimes he can't. He only has to do that very sparingly. We're Burgess, Burgess can control the distribution between the defence and midfield from the middle. So no, absolutely, and it's one of those it's one of those things, isn't it? In which you think if you can get the ball just to Burge or get the ball to Seddon you know, on the left-hand side. And if you've got McCrory on the right, get the ball to Ross because those players can bring the ball out, can't they? So we're not asking Raggett to be, you know, this completely all We're not, we're not asking him to be Mack Clark, are we? No. Although that little Cruyff turn, so... No, know, I did notice that. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, Raggett is going to be the man, mate. I need to look at it, look, look at his performances in more detail because he, he, he doesn't look like the same player that, at the beginning of the season, does he? He's improved no, leaps no. and bounds. Every, I still think from playing alongside Burgess in, in that sort of now that he's used to playing with him, it's you know Kenny Jacket kept chopping and changing it. You know, I think he, that, he's, I gone, think, he's gone yeah. with it. It's worked, and they, and they sort of complement each other quite well. Yeah, precisely. I think I think the um, the settled back four really helped him, and the fact that he had some niggling injuries at the beginning of the season. Kenny Jacket mentioned that Bolton had a niggling injury as well, but now they don't have those anymore. So so I think both of those little things, and the fact that. The players are confident in winning games. That's the third thing to add to that list, and that's why Raggett is playing really well. No, completely, uh, mate. I, I'm really happy with Sean Raggett at the back and with Christian Burgess there. They are, you know, they're shutting teams out exactly when we need them to. You know, keep it going, boys. Keep it going, and I can't see why we can't get promoted this season because if we can keep that solid base at the back and. You know, Neil Allen's favourite Tom Naylor sitting in front of them, and Tom's doing a great, doing a great job there. I know uh, people. I know people laugh at the t- the Neil Allen ratings for Tom Naylor, but whenever he's not in the team, 
they, they of course do look like they fall to bits defensively, don't they? All the time. Accrington was a perfect example. When he was playing centre-half, forget it. Colby Bishop had all the space in the world to score those goals. No, I completely agree, mate. Um, obviously, Tom Naylor is one of those players who's essential for the team. Um, he, he he really does help with that stability, doesn't he? He covers everything, he tracks back. He made some good challenges against Shrewsbury, actually, I thought. Um, but, yeah, going. Let's go, let's go forward quickly, mate, because we've spent a lot of time talking about these games and we need to get into the questions. And thank you, everybody, for sending in your tweets, voting on the polls, etc., because, um, again, it really makes the show and we really appreciate it. So... We put a question out there today saying, are you looking to attend or boycott the leasing trophy final at Pompey's second home, Wembley? So Pompey have now made seven appearances, I believe, once you've done this one, um, at the new home of Wembley. Really? Seven? Yeah. Okay, wait. So we, uh, let me double check. So uh, so from 2008, this is, I assume. Or is it six in total? You got- so because you've got, um, obviously, Cardiff, uh, the games against Cardiff and Chelsea. Then you had the Sunderland game. And you had the semi-finals of both of those. Oh yes, of course. Ah, that's why I forgot. I forgot. Even forgetting the semi-finals were at Wembley. That's why. That, that's why I couldn't remember them. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, moving on, mate. Let's go to the question quickly. Are you looking to attend the final or boycott it? So we put a poll out there. Cheers for everyone for getting involved. The first one I put: get me a ticket or boycotting. Ninety-one percent of people said get me a ticket, um, with nine percent of people boycotting. I've got to say, Freddie, before we get to the comments on this one, there was a lot more noise, wasn't there, last season about boycotting this tournament? Okay? Mm -hmm. I think nowadays we're all over it, aren't we? Most people. (laughs) I think most people are over it. Um, I'm stubborn. So, to be quite honest with you, I'm not over it at all. I mean, mean, think about it. The way that this trophy was set up, set up by Sean Harvey, the guy who directed... The Football League when Barry went bust, where Macclesfield nearly looked like they're going bust with Bolton's owners, and basically yep. giving the Premier League an, a, an extra reason to stop pile youngsters and play them for what three games, and then finding the Football League teams who wanted to play their youngsters in the competition as well. They still okay. do that sometimes, even this season. I can't get over it. I didn't go to Sunderland last season. I didn't go to that. I didn't go to that final. I, I was in the pub in Newcastle not watching the game. I was doing something else. And I don't see myself changing my my stance on this. I really don't. That competition is the epitome of modern football, isn't it? Where the football league give every, give everything to the Premier League just for just for a little pittance to keep to keep football league clubs going. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? How can you how can you stand for that sort of thing? I know I, I, and obviously I'm not going to, I'm just saying my opinion. I will, uh, I said to myself, uh, me and my dad said, said to each other when the competition changes were put in place, if Portsmouth would go to Wembley in that competition, we're not going. And it just so happened that, that now this is the second time we're going to have to make that decision. And I'm not going to say to, if someone, ha- if someone has a kid who's obviously really excited about the game, I'm not going to say to them, don't take your child to the game. Not at all. I'm not, I'm not going to be that that uppity and stubborn about it but I have my principles and I still think even though Mark Catlin retracted that statement last season I still think this trophy is the start of potentially B teams coming into the fo- into the football league as long as as long as, as, long as um, this competition is in place and these B teams from the Premier League and Championship teams are in place then there's a, it, it, however small that chance may be, because obviously the football league clubs will go against it for obvious reasons. However small that chance is of Premier League reserve teams being in the football league, I can't support that competition by going. I just simply can't, and I don't get it. it, it it's it's quite it, it, it's an English mentality why, why people moan about this competition, but then all of a sudden because sports will go to Wembley, go oh oh. I'll, Put my principles aside, and I'll go. I'll accept it for that whatever for ninety minutes. Put it this way: English fans complain about Monday night football. They still go. We complain that a lot of the ticket prices at certain grounds are so expensive. We still buy them. Look at Germany. Look at look, look at Bundesliga fans. What do they do if um, when they try to introduce Monday night football? Uh, I think this was about 
two or three seasons. That might be wrong. When they tried to introduce Monday Night Football into the Bundesliga. They, went, right? they protested completely. The games were empty <laughs> and, and, and the league had to retract it for obvious reasons. And yes, there, uh, there's more scope for more fan participation in those leagues with the 50 plus one will, rule where a certain, a certain amount of fans have to have stakes in clubs, barring a few horrible caveats, which I won't go into because it's really complicated. If you really disagree principally with the competition, surely you have to at least think about not going, don't you? It, 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 as, as lovely as it is. And this is me essentially sacrificing two trips to to Wembley. How many? Uh, is, some fans won't. Uh, some fans might be unlucky enough never to see their side at Wembley, and I'm sacrificing that twice. And is it the, my my question is though, Freddie? That is that I, I you know I don't really want to see these under twenty three teams in a competition because I think it should be this competition should be one that the Premier League and Championship teams don't have an input in for once. Yeah, there's no real need for them to be in this competition apart. Oh, from absolutely. The, yeah. No. It, it, no. The only reason why they're in. Is because the Premier League said, look, our youth team players aren't developing enough. We need them to play against men's teams because the quality of reserve football. I've listened to I've listened to podcasts with professional football uh, from professional footballers like John Parkin, who played a bit of reserve football, and look at it now. The, the reserve football is not uh, nowhere near the same. It's not as competitive. So obviously they want their kids to play competitive football. They can either do the lottery of send them out on loan, which. For, some, for certain players, it's really good, but for certain players, it's absolutely awful and ruins them. So they've had they've got the safety net of playing playing men's football in that competition, and then football league clubs get a nominal fee. I can't remember what the fee is that the Premier League put into that competition to to set to stay afloat. And it's embarrassing, to be honest with you. It's a sad state that football league clubs have to give up their principle just for a few quid. However, it's horrendous. Pretty, however, yeah, let's be honest right here, because I'm going to go to the tweets and, and the answer from, from fans. My opinion is that, yes, it's all it's all well and good. And at the moment, um, you look at the competition. I don't really like the format and how it is. You know, I also don't really like the UEFA Cup format, whatever it's called now, the Europa League format. Um, mm. But if my team got into that as well, I probably wouldn't be moaning about it. But it comes to the point in which I think, do you need to sacrifice? Do we all need to sacrifice a day at Wembley as Portsmouth fans? Because let's be honest, it's not going to be that often that Pompey are going to be back in, especially if we get promoted to the Championship. They're going to be back at Wembley, and when it comes down to it, you you can boycott all the way through if you really want to. You cannot go to lots of the games because no one cares anyway. No one gives a shit about watching us play the the you know the, the Leicester under twenty threes or whoever it is, Man City. Well, the attendance, the attendance showed that for Tuesday, exactly. even though it's even though it's a semi final, it was only 14, 14, 14, 14 and a half thousand there. Yeah, but Exeter brought absolutely yeah. no one down, mate. So that's mm. that's that's where a large proportion of that comes from. So that's that's a pretty decent attendance for a midweek game uh, with no away support, effectively down the bottom of the Milton end. So. My my actual thing thinking on this is is that yes the Premier League have pushed it yes I don't I definitely don't want to see B teams being pushed into the actual football league that would be a that would be a completely different step Freddie if we start getting towards that where I think all right you know Premier League teams are trying to do a little Liga and put I don't know Norwich B into the into the into, into the second the football league yeah. yeah then I'm going to have a completely different outcry about it, mate. But as far as I'm concerned, at this moment in time, um, I don't think that I should necessarily, for now, you know, not attend this game at Wembley. Because I went last year um, after umming and ahhing about not going, mate. You know, And at the end of the day, I went from a level that I just thought, do you know what, I want to go. Um, and maybe that is sacrificing some sort of principles. But I think if it was an introduction into the league, right, it would be a completely different story, and you'd also see, uh, you know, other fans reacting the same way. Um, okay, let's go to what everyone else said. So, cheers everyone for messaging in. Uh, George Stevens says, "I think people should boycott," and then he put, "Then there'll be more chance of a ticket for me and my son." <laughs> well, he can have mine. He can have, go, mine. He can have mine. I'll, I'll, I'll give him my. Me and my dad will give, will give it. We'll give them our tickets if we get them because I think. I don't know. I'm not. I, I, I'm not going to have a go at people for going. I'm not. I'm not that sort of person. But I just. It, I, I can't. I can't throw away my principle for one game at Wembley. I can't. 
It's just not me. Well, he's a man who's thinking of wavering his principles. Cheers, Rob, for messaging in. Pompey News now. He says, I'm wavering now. I was definitely not going to go. Didn't go last year, but a booze up at Wembley Way is hard to turn down. Well, he just loves his booze, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we, so we, we, we saw him after the Tranmere game. He definitely enjoyed his booze. So. And Newcastle and Sunderland in, and, in, in, and Newcastle. in Newcastle afterwards. Oh, PNN nights out, eh? <laughs> yeah. Legend, Rob. And uh, mate, you should be coming because I'm going and we're going to have a laugh. Um, Pompey Harry messages in. He says, attend it like I did last year. My first time there as a fan. I watched all the other times on TV as a kid. Cannot wait to go back and hopefully make history. I do understand that because um I, I did go to Wembley once I went at the 2010 FA Cup final the That's one against Chelsea where he lost so um I have been to Wembley before I enjoyed it then even when we lost I do, uh, and obviously I do I do think there's something special about Wembley there always is but uh I don't know I don't know I just I, I just don't think I can I, I can bring myself to go to be honest yeah, I think it's definitely a thing, isn't it? Especially with younger people going, people taking their kids. Oh, yeah. Completely young. I mean, we sound like, sound like two yeah. bunch of really old people here now, Freddie. But you know, I was I was at the uh, 2008 one as well. I was at the 2010. I went to the semi-finals involved in all those as well. So remember us playing Spurs. That was pretty you know, incredible as well in the semi-finals, winning um, in that game. And those are memories that will stick with me for my whole life. And, you know, whether Pompey are going to get back into a position where they compete for a major trophy again, you know, it's going to be tough, isn't it? It's going to be mm. a lifetime, possibly. Hopefully oh, of course, not. yeah, maybe. So um, I think I think people, especially if they haven't been or, you know, have young kids, I think there's definitely um, a good argument for that. Um, Bazza messages in. He said, who wouldn't want another trip to our second home ground? <laughs> oh. I don't know. Uh, Portsmouth always do it when they don't they? Always. Apart from the one game I went to. So maybe me not going will make Portsmouth win again. There you are. An- a- a- another addition to Portsmouth Football Club that I've made. Love it, mate. Um, Jonah message in cheers for that says attending I didn't go last year missed a cracking day I went last night the atmosphere was class and it was one of those games I remember for a long time can't believe people left early face bomb oh yeah I saw that <laughs> imagine leaving at 1-0 imagine leaving that game at 1-0 I never leave I never leave games early and they oh, I, can't, I can't imagine what, what they must have felt felt like when they got home and looked at the score no I, I, I don't leave into the final whistle mate ever I don't care if I'm going to miss a train and end up having to get the mega bus back in the morning I'm still going to um, stay and watch the end of the game but you know everyone's entitled to their own their own way of doing things and um, that's just what I do um, Jacket's Jacket messages in cheers mate he says given the fixture congestion we're entering and Kenny liking a settled 11 and little squad rotation, after last year's exhaustion leading to poor form at the end of the season, how much squad rotation do you feel Kenny is likely to use or would you use? Balance of fresh legs and continued momentum. Do you think this addition in the cup, mate, and the addition of um, the Arsenal game still to come, the final, do you feel that we actually need to start rotating the squad? Um, Uh, Not wholesale. But obviously, a couple of changes here and there wouldn't go amiss. It might be a difference of starting John Marquis or Ellis Harrison in one game, and then starting and then starting vice versa in the other game. It might be changing the odd midfielder. No, I know Jacket likes a settled team, and he and he is the sort of manager to definitely play a starting eleven against Arsenal, isn't he? <laughs> I, I, I haven't got any doubt in my mind for that. But I feel like it. it Portsmouth have the depth now. Portsmouth have the depth where. Let's say Brendan Houndstrop goes in at left back. I've got no worries at all. Let's say uh, uh, Close comes in in the centre of midfield instead of McGee. And if Andy Cannon plays, I've got no qualms about that whatsoever. It's not like last season where you looked at the bench and went, dear God, who are we going to bring on to change the game? So I think Jacket will use, will rotate his side a bit more this time. whether Whether it will be extensive, I don't think so. It's not. It's not his style to have or to make ten changes for one game and then ten changes for another. It might it, it might just be gradual, but yeah, there there is that worry in the back of your head where if we remember those playoff games. They were awful. They were so bad. They were. They were. They, 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 was, they were arguably the worst performances of the season, weren't they? So 
there's always going to be that worry, but Portsmouth can't do anything about it. Um, we just got to try and not fall into the lottery that is the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, Kenny Jacket can stick on the, if we get the Checker Trade Trophy final and he goes back to back, it will be you know a unique trophy. Um, something to go in his trophy cabinet, won't it? The only manager to hold the uh, trophy back to back. Yeah, and precisely. Then, Another history making thing that Portsmouth have done. Yeah. Okay. Um, Angie uh, messages in. She says, "Hi, Hugh. Do you get any money for Burgess scoring, even if it's an own goal?" Um, <laughs> the answer is no. Oh. I can't wait for the final. I've already booked the hotel. Not bothered who we get in the final. Um, I actually didn't bet on birds this week, by the way. Oh, grim. Which is fine. Well, well out of interest, who do you want in the final then, Newport or Salford? Well, I'm going to tell you now because we're going to go into it. But just quickly, just quickly before that, I was just going to say that I didn't bet on him because I spanked all my money in Liverpool going out of you lot. <laughs> so I didn't have any money to put on Burge and. You know, <laughs> you, no you, 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 you won a bet then as well, and you still spanked that money away as well. <laughs> yeah yeah i did that yeah so i didn't have any i didn't have any money of affordable basically available mate so i did the sensible option and didn't bet anything um let's go to it who do you want to get in the final of the leasing trophy and um, the votes are in about nearly a thousand people voted on it and it was 34 percent of people want newport county uh 41 wanted salford city and 25 percent don't give a shit in one either now, Freddie, I wanted Newport in the final. The reason why is they're a proper club. Yeah, they're not a franchise. They're not. They're not a little plastic thing that Gary Neville puts on his mantelpiece. No, I want. Exactly. I want Newport County as well because the well, entire, the, probably the entire of Wales will turn up if Newport County gets into that final. Exactly. It would be England versus Wales. I can see it now. Uh, Pride of England, Portsmouth, etc. Not to be Freddie, as Salford have now won six five on penalties. Uh, it was a nil-nil draw, and Salford City will be heading to Wembley. Oh, there is, there is going to be. I do not want up. to watch. I do not want to watch Sky Sports. If yes, you do. If the Portsmouth lose that game, oh, no, not the pre-match build-up. No, yeah. Yeah. the lead-up to the game every week, every day, mate. Checking oh, in, maybe a documentary. Checking in with Gary Neville on a daily basis to see oh, how he's, see how he's feeling. Uh, that is the epitome of modern football, isn't it? A historic club like Portsmouth doing the right thing and building sustainably, going into a final in a competition which has Premier League B teams in it against a, franchi- uh, against a franchise club that should at most be in the Conference North. No, no, um, come on. We'll have that. Salford are a respectable team. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're just not, are they? No. I'm sorry. They, they had Danny Weber playing non-league football for them. Do you, I don't even want to know how much they were paying him. I was thinking about this. What? How are they getting around the financial fair play? Because Financial uh, fair play is not in low leagues. Gary never really- mentioned it in his... Um, in his, whatchamacallit, when Man City got done for... Finan- uh, for um, FFP and not and overstating their sponsorship. He said, "Oh, it's ridiculous. These FFP restrictions. We wouldn't be able to do the magical things that we've done at Salford. It's not magical. I mean, come on. All, all, you, all you've done is got, it, it, they've got Paul Paul Lim, the owner of Valencia, to put in a part stake into Salford with the rest of the class of '92. Just pump a load of money into it. It's not. It, it's really there are financial play uh, regulations in the lower leagues. For instance, Derby County are being pulled up. Um, I, I, yeah, I know in the championship there are. I, I, I didn't think they were even lower. That, that was the point I was making because I know uh, Birmingham got dot points for FFP in the championship. Yeah, but, um, I assume the EFL has the same rules across all football league divisions. Mm. But we'll I, think, I think that's probably what he meant at the beginning in the conference. Yes. I think that's yeah. probably why. That's and what, they're still paying a shed load to Adam Rooney. What is he doing in the? What was he doing in the conference? Paying him £5,000 a week is ridiculous. I'll go play for £5,000 a week if I was Oh, decent. yes, I would do as well. But uh, but uh, Rooney was playing in the, the Europa League. He was playing European football and he gave that away for £5,000 a week. Well, mm. well, we see where you're at. Uh, he was definitely there, not for the money, mate, but for to make history was the great little club, which is Salford. Um, so are you happy, mate, with the draw? You happy? Uh I think Ports are, uh, uh, surely Ports are favourites quite easily. So, Salford, Salford, I think. So, Salford, Salford haven't done that well no. this season. Tim Pot, but I just don't. I don't want to. I don't want Ports to lose to them. 
I don't want to just. I, I don't want to. I, I will not watch Sky for ages after that. Watching Gary Neville's grinning face next to the trophy. No, absolutely not. I mean, yeah, I, I actually think uh, Newport would have beat Salford actually in that game, but they had seven uh, first-team players missing through injury as well. Oh, damn, that's unlucky. It's not like Exeter that made 10 changes. I don't know why they made 10 changes. I, I, I know they're going for promotion and everything, but still. It's because they don't give a shit, me about the Checker Tree trophy leasing trophy thing, that's why. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on quickly um, because we've we've got about 10, 15 minutes and we've got two games to preview and also to give our predictions for. Let's go into it. Fleetwood at the weekend. We're going to play our favourite little seaside team. That's right. The team who have Blackpool in their shadow, according to Mr. Jerry Barton. Blackpool, who are they? Fleetwood are the team in the northwest. Liverpool move over. It's a little shit ground, isn't it, Freddie? Well, I, I'm going to the game actually, so so I will be. I, I'll see the ground and see what it's like. It is freezing, apparently. Mm. Well, 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 Blackpool, Blackpool was cold enough. Let alone, let alone further north than that. There's no train station, is there either? So fans <laughs> going to the game will have to go to Blackpool and get a tram, I believe. Yeah, that's what, that, that's what I've planned. Absolutely. So I have to have to get to have to get to Blackpool North for about t- three hours before kickoff. <laughs> That is mad, isn't it? But yeah, so if you're, if you're traveling, um, you know, make sure you save plenty of time if you're going on the train to get that little tram up to up the coast to, to Fleetwood. You've got to sit on northern trains, maybe. So so you get so all the Pompey fans get to enjoy what I endure every every other week if I go to a game. Well, northern trains are renowned for being awesome, mates. So I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> uh, get yourself down to London and see how Southwest trains work. <laughs> They don't, is, is the answer. Um, uh, I, my dad says that all the time. Yeah, so Fleetwood, looking at this game, they're, they're obviously a, a decent side. They're, if they win the game, they can go above us, actually, in the league standings. They're two points behind us. They've also played the same amount of games as Pompey as well. Um, Freddie, it's a difficult place, isn't it? Fleetwood have barely lost they, at home in the league. I know we went out there and got a 1-0. Was it 1-0? Yeah, 1-0 win. Yeah. Um, away at them in the cup, but it's not an easy place to go, is it? Is this the sort of result that you'd be happy with a draw on? Um, yeah, well, pro- uh, probably. Well, well, Fleet will play. Fleet will play really good football, but if you think about it, Portsmouth usually play better against sides that like to uh, that like more time on the ball and uh, and are a bit more positive rather than rather than the Shrewsbury, for example, who who. Who are very very defensive and they give the onus to Portsmouth to break break those teams down. No, it would be a very tough game. They've got a, they've got a few very good players. I really like Lewis Coyle at left back. Always up and down. Got a very good cross on him. And Harry Souter is one is an excellent centre half at twenty one years old. Very good in the air. Can play the ball out from the back as well. So no, Fleetwood won't be any pushovers at all. I'll I'll take a draw, hundred percent. I'll I'll take a nil nil. I'll sit in the I'll sit in the cold and watch a nil nil, hundred percent. Obviously, we want to try and get the win, but a draw would not be a, a disastrous result. Um, obviously, we've got that game in hand, so it will take us on level with Sunderland, you know, in fifth above us. So, uh, looking at how Fleet would play, they play sort of a four three three formation. They like to get the ball quite wide uh, and attack down the wings. Um, they're pretty strong at defending set pieces as well, Freddie, statistically. So, you know, if we're looking to have a cheeky little pound or two on this game, I'm not sure if it's the right game for a bird slash raggett um, mm. header. However, they are absolutely dominant at the moment, so you never know. Um, they've obviously got Chet Evans up front, which people know for the good and bad that he's been in the media for. Um, and also, I think the main player playing for them is Paddy Madden, isn't it? The Mad- no, Paddy, Paddy Madden's always scored goals at this level. 15 goals. Yeah. In, in League One this season, two assists for Paddy Madden. Um, he is the sort of player who can... He's a strange player, isn't he, Freddie? Because he, he likes to sort of get the ball down. He's sort of a... He, 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 can, he finishes well, but it's not just that, is it? He's sort of just... He's always in the right place. He cuts inside. He, 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 sorry? He's always in the right place a lot of the time. He's a, Yeah, he's a fox in the box, isn't he? Mm. He's their answer to the John Marquis. There you go. Um, yeah, and, and looking at the team generally, they've got, what's his name in the middle? Let's have a, what's his name called? They've got Rossier in the middle. Ross too. Um, yeah. And what what are you feeling about them? How are we going to get at them, Freddie? It's going to be a very tough game. 
I think the I think the main thing is to not uh, not sit, sit too deep if they start if they start playing. When Portsmouth sit very very deep, you know you know what the problems are. You know what the problems are when Portsmouth sit very very deep and yeah. and can't get out of the out of their own defensive area. No, but uh, Portsmouth have to be patient on the ball. Not take too many uh, too many risks. I know they love that killer ball a lot of the time. They just need to be a tiny bit more patient. Use the use the width that Sed and Curtis and the Harness give, and counter attack counter attack with pace. I think because I uh, because I think it, it, it I think more quality opportunities will will beat Fleetwood rather than going for the usual. Oh oh my God, we got the ball. We need to we need to get the ball as far forward as possible all the time and try and make as many chances as possible. Now I think if Ports are, if Ports are really patient. Use the use the width and and uh, if they counter attack counter attack quickly, I think Portsmouth will be fine. And uh, Fleet will play a three four three formation, Freddie. Ha- we really have to make sure we get the ball down though and play a little bit against that sort of formation, don't we? Oh, when, oh precisely. Yeah, because it yeah. is when you've got Marquis or Harrison or whoever running around against three centre backs with the ball being hoofed up to them. So I think when it's three at the back in particular, you really got to get the ball down, spread it wide, and get into those channels in behind on the left and right hand side of the defence. Oh, precisely. Yeah, that's what Porsche did against Sunderland when they played a free when they played a free at back formation. And look how to get look how that game turned out. Press, 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 mate. Precisely. Uh, when you look at the the last game that Fleetwood played, uh, obviously they won two one at home to Peterborough. When you go back as well, the web game before that, they won 1-0 away at Wickham, despite having a player sent off. They were then won 2-1 away at AFC Wimbledon. They won at home 2-1 against Doncaster. So you can see a, it's quite a tight team, aren't they? They're not they're not free-scoring away. And they drew at home with Coventry 0-0, and they drew away at Bristol Rovers 0-0. So it looks to me like it's going to be a 1-0, 2-1, 2-0 sort of game. Freddie, what's your prediction for this game? Uh, I'm going to go with 1-0 Portsmouth. 1-0 Pompey. Mm. Who's the score? Who's the score? Ooh. Marcus Harness. Cool. I'm going to go 2-0 and I'm going to go Ronan Curtis Brace. Nice one. Let's do this, mate. Let's do Mm. this. Mm. Right. Let's go into it. We've got five minutes left, Freddie. Let's quickly have a look at the Tuesday night game. It's something I quite often forget to do if i'm honest on the podcast mm-hmm. i forget we've got a sneaky tuesday game like a lot of these games we've got now coming up in the on the schedule are not at the weekend which i noticed um so mk dons we saw them and if you were at <laughs> stadium mk or whatever it's called now you would have seen it was a pretty disappointing journey over to the gl- glamorous milton Keynes. um Pompey looked really poor in that game at Milton Keynes. I thought we didn't get in the game properly. They really ran at us and and caused us quite a few problems. There was a lot of space on that pitch. It was quite a big pitch. And and they were quite quick going forward. And I thought Pompey really struggled to get in the game. But that was one of those blip games, wasn't it? You know, in between quite a few, you know, better performances from Pompey. And that seems to be quite behind us, that sort of form. I think now with Raggett and excuse me, I should have got drank some water, Raggett and Burgess at the back there, um, looking more solid. We should be able to shut MK Dons out. Freddie, is there anyone for the MK Dons team in particular who you're looking at who you think that person's going to cause Pompey trouble? I think in a sense of midfield, I really like uh, McGrandles. Uh, proper box-to-box player. Loves to always get on the ball. One of the, one of their main playmakers, but it, but think of it this way: he, he he reminds me a tiny bit of Andy, Ca- Andy Cannon, where he's always up and down, up and down, up and down, all the time, but also can play pick a pass as well. So he so um, McGrandles in the middle is one of the players that Portsmouth will have to look out for, and Tom Naylor might have to man mark him. Um, unlike Fleetwood. I noticed the MK Dom's actually awful defending direct free kicks, awful defending in the air. Um, aerially, the aerial duels, not very good again. Could be quite a good game for Harrison to start in that sense. Um, I, yeah, I yeah, think. potentially that I, I, I would go for that. I would, I, I would play Marquis. Well, since since he's got midweek, I'd play Marquis against Fleetwood, and then may, and then maybe Harrison against MK Dom's midweek. Keep keeps keeps both strikers fresh. Keeps them ticking over in terms of minutes as well. 
Yeah, I mean, statistically, it seems likely we're going to score from a set piece, I reckon, from a corner. Um, I think we should be able to get... Yeah, do you know what? I've been I've been banging the drum that we're going to get a game, Freddie, where we score more than two goals. Mm. Right? I can't remember. What was the last time we did it? Porter did that? Oh, well, Exeter. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's going to sound like an absolute mug. Um, no, it is it, very rare, isn't it, that Ports will score more than two goals. But... But, but statistically, they have very high, a lot of the time, high XG numbers, which which shows that they can potentially score more than two goals a game. Exactly. So I just feel like, I keep feeling like it's only a matter of time before we get, you know, before we manage to score more than two goals. But you know what, Freddie? I'm going to go out on a limb today and say it's going to be a 2-0 win for Pompey at home to MK Dons. That's not a bad shout at all. Uh, and I'm going to go a set piece from um, Christian Burgess, and it's difficult to tell. If Andy Cannon's back, I'm going to put Andy Cannon to score. Yeah, because um, he had a glute injury uh, um, for a while now. He's out for a week. I think they're probably planning on starting him on Saturday. I don't see any reason why not. No. If Andy Cannon starts on Saturday against Fleetwood as well, just tracking back quickly there for a day, I think it's going to be a huge game changer in the way that we get on the front foot and play um, the pressing style that's really needed against that back three that Fleet would have. We have to really get on top of it, get at them. Can't just sit back all game horrendously deep. It's not going to work. Against oh, precisely. Yeah. Well, we saw it. We saw it for ourselves against Tranmere when Cannon wasn't in the team. It's not as if Portsmouth's midfield were bad. It's just that there wasn't that high press. There wasn't that high press, which which we've seen Portsmouth do, which completely which completely kills off teams. So when if Andy Cannon starts, we have to hope that the high, that the very very high press comes back again. And do you think if Andy Cannon does start, that means that McGeehan drops back into the role alongside Naylor and Close comes out of the team? Oh, that's a tough one because Ben Close has been playing very well defensively as well in that double pivot next to Naylor. Oh, I, I can't. I, I'm not sure on Kenny Jackett's thinking of which centre midfielder he prefers. I think he prefers McGee in there. Yeah, I, at, think, yeah at, I think so too. If you look at the yeah. game against Exeter, he took close off, moved McGee and back into that role and then put Marquess into 10 and Hawkins up front. Yeah, fair enough. So he might play McGee in next to Naylor with Cannon at 10 if he plays mm-hmm. in that. Yeah, I think I think he'll do that as well. Uh, another quick question, mate, for this game, just before we do a little bit more of a breakdown, is that Ross McCrory, has he earned the right-back starting role off James Bolton? Well, he certainly played very well in his last two games when he came on. Did, uh, I mean, did he start against Exeter? I can't remember. Yes, yes, he did. Um, why not? If you want some more, it, 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 certainly if you want some more attacking option at right back, you go for you go for him. So maybe you do the same thing again, where if you want a steady steady team at home, then you play Bolton against MK Dons, and if you want a very very high press with your players going forward or for back and forward all the time, then you play McCrory at right back. You'd think that, wouldn't you? I, I sort of feel Kenny Jacket would flip-flop that and play a defensive player away from home and then more that, yeah, more attacking player at home. Yeah, because we've seen that happen so many times where he, where he plays more defensive. But really, Fleetwood, Fleetwood, Fleetwood are playing to... Uh, since, I think since Fleetwood like to be on the ball a lot, I'm just hoping he doesn't do the same thing where I watched uh, Portsmouth away at Rochdale where they sit, sat really, really deep. I mean, really deep, where to a point where there wasn't a player. When Rochdale were in possession, there wasn't a player on the halfway line. I just yeah. hope that Portsmouth don't do that. No, completely. There's absolutely no point in us doing that, Freddie. That will just, you know, you never know. We could scrape a nil-nil by doing that. But I think Pompey should be able to go out and, and win both of these games. You no, know, Fleetwood are a good team. As we said, I think they've won four on the bounce now, including some really good teams. You know, Peterborough are a bit hit and miss, especially away from home. But that's a good win against a strong Peterborough side who have you know been surging back up the league after you know a bit of a, an iffy spell before. So we know we can win these games, Freddie. And this is the oh, business end of the season, isn't it? So the guys have just got to get out there um, and and you know and really get the points. Precisely. Yeah. No. No. Um... But the the players have that confidence, don't they? So and and even if there is a blip, I don't I, I don't see Ports of falling off a cliff at all. I I think I don't see a team in that play in that um, promotion hunt that Ports can't beat. If you look at them, no, no, not at all. But it will just come down to can we break those teams down? Um, you know? Can we do it? And let's hope we can, mate. So um, they've got Heatley up front, I was just going to say, by the way, who's the player that I think is pretty good, Healy. Um, 
I think he's got nine goals this season just in League One. So he's a player to look out for. For he scored against Portsmouth in that game, didn't he? Yep. That's that, that's why I remember. That's why I remembered his name. I realise this is a podcast, Freddie, so you can't see me waving my fist in the air after you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn him! <laughs> okay, mate, let's wrap this up. Freddie, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at freds.w.spelt out on Twitter. Um, I, I, I'm usually tagged in with all the Pompey News Now stuff. So if you if you want to see me, if you want to follow me posting my articles, hopefully I can keep, it, keep up with that because I'm back at semester two at uni now and there are more deadlines than i can count so hopefully i can write to write some more stuff on pompey over, over the next couple of months so you can follow me on twitter there i'm i'm also an admin on frat and faithful on facebook as well yeah go check freddie out guys give him a follow because you know freddie's definitely one of the best writers we've got a pompey news now and write some really really interesting content um all right freddie it's been great to have in the podcast i reckon we're going to go on and uh, hopefully our predictions are right Hope so too. It's been it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for coming on, mate. And until next time, that Pompey. You have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle. <laughs>